We are going to uh, be in 1 Peter 5, 1 through 5. We're coming to the final verses of this letter uh, that Peter is writing to the elect exiles. And so, hope you've enjoyed uh, just our kind of journey through 1 Peter as we've looked at how do we, as people who are here in the city of man, with a hope that one day we'll be in the city of God. And how do we navigate the culture and life that, that God has placed us in here today? Um, for those of you who don't know me, my name is Justin. I'm one of the pastors here. And um, it's a joy to be with you. It's a joy to be this in light of text. If you're brand new here today, um, I, I hope you hear this in light of you're, you're kind of seeing some of the inner workings of church life, talking about elders and the flock. And it's our, just creating us our greatest joy. There's nothing more uh, that, that would just create in us excitement than for you to become part of the family of God, for you to enter into relationship with God as Father, uh, for you to live in this relationship as brothers and sisters in Christ, and that you would begin to participate in the mission of God with a local church. And that's really what this, this text begins to lead us to is if we're going to persevere to the end, there, there's a relationship, there is a, a, a community that, that has to join together in a, in a very unique way if, if we're going to make it. And, and so it's our heart, it's our desire. If you're here, if you're just checking this out, it would be our greatest joy to have you join us. But I think that's going to come through time, and that's going to come through, hopefully, earn you minute trust and, and your respect. And so, uh, we'll get to that here in a few minutes. Uh, the question we really are answering today is, how are we going to persevere to the end? We read last week, if we are reminded of the context in which Peter is writing here, the context is, it's, it's prophetic in nature, there, there are going to be fiery trials that are coming, that they're, they're, they're coming your way. And, and it, in part, when I read the text this week, I was kind of like, it kind of changes its tone. It kind of changes direction. It seems kind of weird. It's like, hey, there's these fiery trials. And, and even as I read 1 Peter chapter 4 again, it, it seemed like it kind of came to a close. It's to suffer according place to end with verse 19. Therefore, let those who suffer according to God's will entrust their souls to a faithful creator while doing good. The end. I think that sounds great. But Peter continues on, and, and it's interesting because I feel like it's, initially I felt like it was a little bit disjointed. What, what in the world, like, is, is, is Peter describing, what is he trying to tell us in this sense in the role of, of elders? And, and I think what he's doing here is he's turning the focus inward on the church. See, we have this relationship with the surrounding culture, but then we also have this relationship with one another. And here's the idea. For the provision, protection, and perseverance of the church, God has called under-shepherds to shepherd sheep through the fiery trials of life. I'll read it again. 
for the provision, protection, shepherd the sheep of the church, God has called under shepherds to shepherd the sheep through the fiery trials of life. When I think about this past year, this past year has been very challenging on numerous fronts. Of, of when we look at the culture around us, it, we're, we are in the midst of a very divisive time. Politically, racially, economically, I mean, spiritually, theologically, I mean, every Lee, all right? We, we are divisive. And, and I, I, just last week, I was in a meeting, and I, someone just said, hey, you know what would be really helpful? Like, I, I would love if there was an avenue or an environment within Ecclesia where we engaged more conversation towards, like, how do we navigate the, the culture that we're in? And, and I think that's, that's right on. And nav- that's what shepherds are supposed to do. That's the role that shepherds play is how do we navigate this culture? We are leading sheep through a pasture. And as we walk across this pasture, there are going to be fiery trials. There's going to be things the sheep and try to attack the sheep. There's going to be things that tend to try to lead the sheep astray. And the sheep are, are going to be, in a sense, they're going to be a target. And the shepherd's role and responsibility is to, to help them navigate, to protect, to persevere so we can make it to the end, so we can experience this homecoming with the Lord. And, and so he's saying we need shepherds. And, and when I look back over this past year, I go, man, we, we needed shepherds. We needed people to guide us, to lead us, to speak in. How do we navigate this past year, and how do we use this? Many of, uh, many of us spent time in, in isolation this past year, and how do we survive even when we don't feel like we can really be with? And, and so we've needed shepherds, and so reasons why we chose to walk this, because I think this is very timely, and obviously one of the reasons why we chose to walk through First Peter is just because it speaks to the very issues at hand. Obviously, Peter was writing, and, and it was prophetic in nature because we talked about last week the fiery trail that was coming in, in many ways is like we looked at the idea of Rome and burning and Nero and the persecution that Christians were going to face and all the things that they were going to be under, and, and they were going to have to navigate that. And I think we're entering into a season as well where we're trying to figure out how do we navigate this culture, and, and so we're going to need shepherds. And pastors, elders, pastors, all pastors. Shepherds need shepherds. Shepherds need I can't tell you how often in, in this, this past year I, I have had to reach out to our larger network and, and have people speak in and guide us and lead us. Going to persevere, you have to be submitted to that as well. And so if we are going to persevere till to the end, I think Peter lays out some things that must be necessary and things that, 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 that we need to see happen in the context of a local church. And the first thing is this, we need strong shepherds, not selfish shepherds. We need strong shepherds, not selfish shepherds. 1 Peter chapter 5, 1 through 4 kind of lays this out. So I exhort, I encourage the, elder, the elders among you. As a fellow elder, okay, and I'll, I'll just kind of pause as we walk through this. 
uh, as we look at Peter, Peter identified in chapter 1, he's an apostle. But this is also Peter identifying that the roles and responsibilities that you have as an elder, I share with you. Some of the challenges and difficulties and roles and responsibilities that you have, I have. And, and so he's identifying with them. He's helping them under that you're, hey, I, I'm somebody in this with you. I, I'm experiencing some of the things that you're facing. And so I want to encourage you. I want to speak to you as a witness of the suffering of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that's going to be revealed, rising over Shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly. And we see this not, but as God would have you, not for shameful game, but eagerly, not domineering over those in charge, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you'll receive the unfading crown of glory. So the first thing he says here is, is to shepherd the flock that is among you, which means as an elder, there, there are some roles and re- responsibilities that I responsibility with a particular group of people. My job and responsibility is not to shepherd the flock in Idaho or to shepherd the flock in Texas. I, I'm called to shepherd the flock. And if you're here today and you're like, there is a particular group of people that God has called us to shepherd. And if you're here today and you're like, really, like this role of elders, what is this? Obviously, it's very speaking particularly to the role of eldership. But in many ways, you can, we can kind of broaden the application here. And this is for anyone who is in leadership, anyone who is overseeing or providing oversight to anyone in a spiritual nature. So if you're a parent in the room and you have a family, you are providing oversight. If you're a community group leader, all right, you are providing oversight. If, if you are someone who is walking in, in, in maturity with Jesus Christ and you have people that you are discipling and you, you are providing this oversight, you're shepherding them. And so we, we've been called in a way, there's been this, this picture as elders and to kind of give you a picture, a window in to what we experience every week for the flock which means my job and responsibility each and every week is to take God's word, take the timeless truths from God's word, and apply it within a local context, the flock that God has given us. I love um, Pastor John Tyson, who's in New York City, Church of the City, New York. If you ever listen to one of his podcasts, which I would recommend, he's a great Uh, communicator of God's word and teacher of God's word. But one of the things he says all the time is, remember, this was given in a local context at a certain period of time to a certain group of people. The application may not be broad. It may not be useful to the larger body. And I think that's encouraging to know. When I speak on a Sunday morning, I'm speaking to the flock that is amongst us here. This is our flock. Not only do I, I see that, but I, I think it's so easy for elders, for shepherds to give their life, not to the flock that's among them, but give their life to other things. And it's going to be a challenge, I think, for me, persevering eldership role 
to stay diligent, stay persevering to the end to go, I'm going to shepherd this flock. Now, why is that hard? Because for many of us who step into this role, we step in with a great desire and a longing to see people grow into maturity in the faith. Does that happen overnight? No. I look at my kids. Do my kids grow up overnight? No. But there's a desire and a longing for to of, of sure. There's a longing and a desire to see people grow to a place of, of, of character and, and growth and sanctification. And we want to see fruit. And when we don't see fruit, a lot of times we're like, well, what are... And, and ultimately, they see fruit. And we begin to see other ways. And, and ultimately, there, there, there comes a time where we often critique ourselves and believe that what we have to offer has of little to no value. That's a, that's a, that's a critique that, that I believe often. Are we making any difference? Are we actually helping? Are we actually encouraging? Are we actually discipling people? Are we actually helping people move and, and grow to maturity in the faith? And we critique ourselves. And, and so, in doing so, there, there's a tendency for many of us to step out of this role when we don't see that. And that's why I bring you into that to ask you to pray for us, to pray that we would persevere, to pray that we would be able to see the fruit because fruit of your life. Truth, I know and I've experienced and I've seen the fruit of your lives. I've seen you grow spiritually, many of you. I've seen God's hand at work in many of your lives. But the enemy wants nothing more than to convince me that it's worthless. So pray that we keep going. Pray for perseverance. We have to be disciplined. We need to be disciplined in knowing the sheep and caring for the sheep and providing for the sheep and protecting for the sheep. This is the role of a, of a shepherd. And, and you can apply it to any role if you're responsible for the spiritual growth of people, that, that you're to know them. That it's helpful when I get up and speak on Sunday morning if I actually know what's going on in your life, what you're walking through, what you're facing, what you're struggling with, what, what things are happening. And, and that's my heart and desire. Also to know you, to know the sheep, to know your tendencies, but also to care for you. Elders have, have been given, shepherds have been given to help care to, to lovingly come along spiritually, to preserve you, to provide for you, to provide spiritually, to provide nourishment, to feed you, and to protect you. So the truth is, we need strong shepherds. We need shepherds that aren't going to run when things get tough. We need shepherds that when the persecution comes, when the fiery trials of life begin to hit in the Christian community, you take out the shepherd and the sheep scatter. Again, this is a plea and, a, and, a, and, a, and, a, and a, a, honestly a, an ask of going, 
would you, would you pray for us in that, that God would protect us? That God would protect the elders that are among you? That, that, that you would pray for them, that you would pray that they would persevere? It gives some of the roles and responsibilities of, of shepherd here, and I think it's really important. Cloud and Townsend wrote in their book, Boundaries, it's important that we know what is our job and what isn't. And the reason why is when, when we don't have clearly defined roles and responsibilities, we end up actually living out the, the expectations from you. So when we don't actually have the Word of God dictating what our job responsibilities, we end up living, up the, living out the expectations of the people of God. And so it's really important that when we think about this, our role, our job description, our identity, we many gifts receive from God himself not to be dictated by the people. And he gives some, some roles and responsibilities that we're to shepherd the flock, we're to provide oversight. But he tells us some things we're, we're not to do. And I think these are some of leadership that elders typically fall into. When we think about trusting of leadership and authority, we're going to talk about that here in just a second, these are some of many of the reasons why you don't trust leadership and authority. It says to not do it under compulsion, but willingly, to not as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not domineering over those in charge, but being an example. And so there, there are three pitfalls. One, we just do it because it's our duty, not because it's our passion. We do it out of greed for selfish gain, rather than out of a, out of a heart and, and a love to serve one another. We do it out of a pursuit of power, or for a platform, or for, uh, to earn an identity. And, and none of these are, are, are great reasons of why you should desire to be a shepherd. I think we've often seen neglectful shepherds. We've seen lazy, selfish shepherds. And so he tells us to do it willingly. And I, I've said, when I'm no longer passionate about this, when I'm no longer passionate about seeing maturity happen in the life of the flock that God has called us, when I'm no longer desiring to lead you, then it's my role and responsibility to step out. It's my role and responsibility to step down from this platform and allow someone who is desiring, passionate, and, and excited to be able to lead you further. Now, that's not today, God willing. Uh, that's not here and for some my lifetime. I, I hope till the end of life that I'm able to stand up here and for some reason, somebody would want to come hear me when I'm 85 years old, all right? You're going to have to will me up on the stage. And you guys will be some young people gather. We'll understand. And there will be some young people gathering, telling us we're doing it all wrong. All right? Because that's what we do when we're younger. I was one of those. But it says to do so willingly. Not for shameful gain. You might, I don't know, I, I sometimes I'm like, what do I gain by doing this? Why? Maybe that's the question that we ask, like, why do I do this? 
It's like, you know, you, you, could, you could be critiqued, you could be ridiculed. I can't tell you how many times I've literally sat and I was like, I'm just trying to help people. I, I literally, that's all I'm trying to do. But your megaphone of critique is so much louder. And, and, and I like, what, what actually is the gain? And in Peter's time, there, there were people, and there, there's people today. To gain a, they enter into this role as a way to gain a platform for themselves, to gain power, to gain an identity. It's, it's shameful that we, we serve in this role eagerly. What eagerly means is when, when the work's done, we, we are continually looking for more work. It's not a selfish posture. It's, it's, it's asking, what can I do? And I love this about the, the relationship even I have with the elders on our team is that there is desire and a longing. We are always asking, how can we improve? How can we step further? How can we reach more people? How can we more effectively disciple? How can we? And you may ask, you're like, Man, these guys are always coming up with stuff. And it's like, it's our desire. We want to be eager, pray about seeing you grow to maturity in the faith. And so we are, we are striving, we are praying, we are seeking, we are looking for ways in which, how can we best do that? When the work is done, we're asking, what else can we do? It's the type of shepherds we need. Now, I said we need strong shepherds, but the strong shepherds is not abusive shepherds. It talks about being not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. Our role and responsibility is not to, to come and, 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 and be abusive in our nature, to step into a role for our own platform, for our own power. I remember, and I've, I've shared this before, but there's lots in Salt Lake City. So I, I remember when we first came here to Salt Lake City, I met with a pastor. And I was talking about planting in, in different areas of the city and, and, and ultimately just really asking one of the questions, heart, where do you really want to see happen? And, and one of the questions that he asked has, has always stuck with me. He said, Justin, I want to ask you a question. If your desire is truly for the city to be changed, for the city to know Jesus, for the city to, to get to be a part of the mission of God all across Utah, if that's your heart, what if God told you that you could accomplish that by every morning was your own up on the mountain and praying. And that was your only role, that was your only responsibility. Your role and responsibility every day is to go up on the mountain and pray, but God's going to change the city. Of course, they said, would you do it? And of course, the, the correct answer is yes, right? We, we're like, yeah, of course I would. 
but you receive no accolades, you receive no platform, you don't get to stand up here and yell at people. You receive no pats on the back. You you don't receive any, hey, good sermon, pastor. None of that. No one knows you. You go up on the mountain and you pray. Would you do it? And I think that that question in in many times has haunted me, honestly. It's, It's hard to really wrestle with the motivations of why do I do what I do? Am I doing this for a platform? Am I doing this for, you know, my identity? Am I doing this for power? Or am I doing this because I genuinely want to see people's lives changed? And I still wrestle with it. And so I will continue to stumble forward, pray. That is my motivation. That is my hope. That is my heart. In Ezekiel chapter 34, we've looked at this text before. We see a prophetic word to the shepherds in Israel. It says, The word of the Lord came to me, Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and say to them, even to the shepherds, Thus saith the Lord of God, Ah, shepherds of Israel, who have been feeding yourselves. Should not shepherds feed the sheep? But do you, you eat the fat, you clothe yourselves with the wool, you slaughter the fat ones, but do you not feed the sheep? The weak you have not strengthened, the sick you have not healed, the injured you have not bound up, the strayed you have not brought, you have ruled them, you have not sought, and with force and harshness you have ruled them. So they were scattered because there was no shepherd, and they became food for all the wild beasts. My sheep were scattered. They wandered over all the mountains on every high hill. My sheep were scattered over all the face of the earth, with none to search and none to seek for them. This is a picture of what happens when we have ungodly shepherds, ungodly elders. This is what I'm asking you to pray for. This is what I'm asking you to beg the Lord to pray and ask that he would help us persevere, that we would be elders and shepherds of character, that the sheep would not be scattered, and that we would not be here to feed ourselves, but to motivation wives for you. Now we ask, like, what is the motivation? Why would we do this? The motivation and and the reason why is because this isn't our flock. You're you're not Justin, Greg, Chris, Wes, Greg's, like you're not our sheep. You're, you're, You're the Lord's flock. In Acts 20, verse 28 through 29, It says, pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers, to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. He purchased you. 
I know that after my departure, fierce wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. It's a warning. We have a role and responsibility. But it tells us our motivation in doing this is we are shepherding the flock God has given us. And that in due time, we'll receive an unfading crown of glory. That's the motivation. And ultimately, we do it to be exalted by God the Father. And ultimately, when we receive that crown, we then take that crown and lay it at the feet of Jesus because he's the one worthy of all exaltation and all praise. Point number two, that's the shepherds. What about you guys? We need submitted sheep, not strained sheep. We need submitted sheep, not strained sheep. And maybe you read this and you, you even kind of honed in on these words. Likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. And of even there's some stiffening of your posture. Maybe there's some dismissal of even reading this text. And like I said, most of this is due to the fact that we have shepherds who have not walked in, this, in these roles in a godly way. And because of it, you lack trust in leadership. There's a quote I'll, I'll read to you. It says, this puts a finger on a touchy issue. Leadership and authority. Ours is not a culture that easily adjusts itself to such an idea. Ours, in fact, is a society of mavericks and do-it-yourselfers. Consequently, not only does the term submission sound foreign, but even the idea of actually being led by a spiritual advisor, pastor, is hard for many to comprehend. I'm not convinced that our social makeup is an improvement. While I surely enjoy the freedom of independence that our culture affords, I'm not sure that the pendulum swing away from authority and leadership is any healthier than total control. We see in this, there, there's obviously a, a kind of a knee-jerk reaction that to submit to authority is a sign of weakness, power, submitted himself, Jesus being one of all power, Jesus being able to, to call down angels at any moment, but yet he submitted himself. He submitted himself to persecution. He submitted himself to crucifixion. It's not a sign of weakness. The ability and the, the fact that you can actually submit is a sign of power. It says young, younger ones, and, and what, kind of in reference of elders, it's, it's interesting because elders doesn't necessarily always mean older. There's people who are older than me in this congregation. But it's, it's interesting that he highlights, in, in some sense, the age that there, there are younger ones amongst us. And it's a masculine term. And so, in the first century context, like, I'm like, well, that really meant young men. And I'm like, well, that's interesting. Why? Because I've been a young man, and I know how difficult it is as a young man to submit to anything. And he's calling us to submit. Now, if you're here this morning and you're, and you're 
of the nature that leadership can't be trusted. Maybe you've seen leadership done in a way that it was done for shameful game. You've, you've seen it done without eagerness. You've seen lazy pastors, elders, and shepherds. Maybe you've seen pastors who have operated in abusive, domineering ways. And so there's a loss of trust and unwillingness to any reason. And I would tell you, I, I 100% agree. And that's why for many reasons, what we ask people to do when they come to Ecclesia is to take it slow when choosing where to plant your life. You're going to reside to really take it slow in determining where you're going to reside and who you're going to submit to. Find a place where you can know, where you can trust, where you respect, and where you can ultimately look and say, I can follow these shepherds. That's our desire. And in the meantime, you have full freedom to get to come and and experience and walk with us. But there's a point where you step in and say, I'm all in. I'm a part of this family. I'm a part of this flock. And in doing so, I, I want to be submitted begin to the elders of this church. It's the relationship that First Peter begins to describe. You might ask, who, who are you submitted to? And I would tell you, first and foremost, Christ is the chief shepherd. We're submitted to him. Who's the lead pastor of Ecclesia? Jesus Christ. Second of all, We're submitted to an outside accountability board and a network of churches that we're submitted to doctrinally, theologically, but I would also tell you that we're submitted to one another. If you were to come and and sit within our elder meetings, I believe that you would see a posture of submission amongst the five men who have been called as elders to lead this church. And I would just say... (coughs) For the DIYer or the Lone Ranger or the straying sheep, you forfeit the sanctification and shaping when you don't join your life to another. Listen, you forfeit an opportunity. Can I tell you, I have begged for people to disciple me. To, I, I have asked people to know me, protect me, provide for me, protect me, like love me, shepherd me, help me grow in being. And no one's responded until recent years. When Chris Longley first came, we sat down at a Chipotle. They were moving here. I, same, same story. He, he longed to be someone who was discipled, someone who was poured into, someone who, who someone cared for, discipled, built character in. You have it. There were few shepherds. What you have at Ecclesia are shepherds who desire and long to do that with you. If you're in the room today, then we invite you in.
I want to grow, then we invite you in. And we will figure out to the best of our ability how to help you do that. That is our responsibility, and we want to commit and make sure that it happens. Third thing is this. Well, I'll back up. Hebrews 13, 7. Remember your leaders, those who spoke to you the word of God. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. We need those type of people. We need those type of people. Point number three, suit up, not show off. Suit up, not show off. It says in 1 Peter 5, subject 5, likewise you who are younger be subject to the elders, and then it says clothe yourselves. This is, we need to put on the suit of humility. Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility towards what happened between another. Let me ask you this. Will disagreements happen between shepherd and sheep? You better believe it. Have, dis- have disagreements happened between shepherd and sheep at Ecclesia? Yes. Have those always been done in humility? On the b- part of the shepherd and the sheep? The answer is no. Do we need more of the Spirit's help to walk in this? Yes, absolutely. The fact that we must clothe ourselves means that this is not the natural state of most believers. There is a sense of going, we actually have to put this on. There is a relationship that we must walk with one another in a certain way. And and I think it speaks to, when we look at the, the last year, how divisive the church has been. Not, but the divisiveness with the, between church and outside of the church is, is like at an all-time high. And, and I believe it requires a, a posturing, a clothing, a suiting up of humility. Pride says, I'm all-knowing. My way is the right way. And can I be honest with you? I've been the 25 arrogant, prideful guy who, and not all 25, if you're 25 in the room, God bless you, all right? Like, but I, I remember being 25 and being extremely prideful and arrogant, and, and there was nothing that anyone could say to me that could change my thinking that I believed because I graduated from seminary that I have the right way and that I know what the Bible says and because of it, I'm going to go plant a church that is actually going to be fruitful and you know what happened? It failed. And that was God's grace. God showed me, Justin, you don't know everything. And what it did is it postured me even today to be someone who I listen to people who are other tribes within Christianity who may be considered in other camps or other tribes. And I follow them and I listen to them because I've taken the posture of a learner. And if there's anything that, that we can do with one another, it's we have to take the posture of a learner. And it doesn't always mean that your elders are right. I read this this week, and I thought this was great. If submission to elders and leaders were the only guiding principle, there would have not been the Protestant Reformation, right? Like, you, you look at, at Martin Luther. Like, he would have just, like, been quiet. 
He wouldn't, he wouldn't actually have like nailed the 95 thesis to the door. If all the guiding principle was to just be quiet. So it's not to tell the sheep just to be quiet. It's pastors, shepherds, elders, we need to walk in humility towards you. And sheep, you have to walk in as called us shepherds and elders. And this is the relationship that God has called us to walk in. Now, at the very end of this, and I close, it says, for God opposes the proud. But here's what I love, is he gives us grace. He gives us grace. It's God's grace that, that we can come together and, and even by his grace walk in humility with one another. This is his good gift.